what the children of Israel did from that first generation that came out of Egypt. They provoked the Lord to jealousy. They were offering sacrifices to demons. And so Paul is not teaching a new theology here. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament that these false gods who there in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, 17, that they were gods that they did not know. They were new gods, but there was demonic activity behind these gods. And Paul's saying, I do not want you to partake in these things. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, today we're looking at do all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 through 33. And the first point, verses 14 through 17, one bread one body. The second point, 18 through 22, the Lord's cup and table, and then 23 through 33, that they may be saved. Verses 19 and 20, we find here the Gentiles, they also offered sacrifices on altars, not to the God who created the heavens and the earth, but these idols, which Paul said, they're nothing at all, But behind the idols, he connects uh, demons. He says in verses 19 and 20, What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to the idols is anything? Rather, that the things with which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. The sharing of the sacrificial offering was also a custom in pagan worship, the pagan worship of the Gentiles. But Paul understood idols were nothing. In 1 Corinthians 8, 4, he said, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. And so Paul understood that the idols, they were false gods that people worshipped that the gods themselves were nothing. But here he adds to it in chapter 10 that behind the idol, there were demonic activity. And although Paul understood that the idols were not gods, that they did not truly exist, connected to these pagan deities was demonic activity. Therefore, to eat the meat sacrificed to idols knowingly in participating with that offering 
he did not want the believers to participate or to partake in or to have fellowship with the demons behind these false gods. Deuteronomy 32 verses 16 and 17, God saying they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to gods, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. What the children of Israel did from that first generation that came out of Egypt, they provoked the Lord to jealousy. They were offering sacrifices to demons. And so Paul is not teaching a new theology here. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament that these false gods who there in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32, 17, that they were gods that they did not know. They were new gods, but there was demonic activity behind these gods. And Paul's saying, I do not want you to partake in these things. Then he said, in verses 21 through 22, I titled this little portion, You Can't Have It Both Ways. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Of course, as I said before, a rhetorical question there. We are not stronger than God. But we cannot have it both ways by drinking the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Today, we might say, by attempting to walk in fellowship with Jesus, while at the same time walking in the ways of the world. This was something that Joshua pointed out to the second generation of those who came out of Egypt right before they went into the promised land. In Joshua 24, verses 19 through 21, Joshua said to them, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's actually using reverse psychology for the children of Israel. He's saying, you can't serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people responded to Joshua, no, no. But we will serve the Lord. They made a commitment, even though Joshua was using reverse psychology, saying, no, 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 you can't serve the Lord. And they said, no, we will serve the Lord. And that second generation that came out of Egypt, for the most part, they were uh, faithful to serve the Lord. And may it be that our fellowship with Jesus be a fellowship that is true and that we would not have communion or partake in the fellowship of the world in the sense that we are compromising our relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot have it both ways. All right, coming to our third point, we wrap up verses 23 through 33, that they may be saved is the title I gave to this section. I'm going to go ahead and read the context. Verses 23 through 33. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. 
If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to an idol, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for the conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness. Conscience, I say, not of your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? If I partake with thanks, why am I spoken evil of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Now, I'm going to read verse 1 of chapter 11 because it probably goes with this portion of Scripture, but we'll talk about it more next week. He goes on to say, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He actually goes on from that point to a different topic. And remember, the chapter breaks and the verses were not originally in Scripture. So every once in a while, I think uh, they got it a bit wrong. But the chapter breaks and the verses are not inspired, but they are helpful because it's helpful to know, you know, chapter one, chapter two. It helps us to get into the word of God, to know the word and to find our way through scripture. So here we are that they may be saved. Verses 23 through 24. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Moving from the subject of idols, Paul teaches about our freedoms that we have in Jesus Christ. And although all things may be lawful, it does not mean that certain things are helpful or edifying. Two different Greek words that he highlighted here. He said, but not all things are helpful. It's a Greek word that speaks about being profitable or to our advantage, or all things are not edifying. It's oikdomia. <laughs> let me let me read the word for you. Um, forget it. I'm not even going to try it. It means to uh, be a house builder. In the New Testament, it's this sense of edification to promote spiritual growth in someone's life. So we have being helpful to be profitable or to take advantage of to edify, to build up. We could think of it that way. Although all things are lawful, it does not always edify or is not always profitable. It does not always build up. And although it can be lawful in the sight of God, we need to make sure that the things that we do is profitable, is edifying others. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Paul reminds us that we are to live for the benefit of others, not for ourselves. And though I am free, he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. So the purpose that Paul had here was that he might help bring others to Jesus Christ. Paul did not live a compromised life 
but while standing in his faith as a believer in Jesus Christ, he learned to become all things to all people that he might win some. And so there were some things that were permissible for him, but he chose not to, to partake of certain things, maybe sometimes in the presence of certain people, that he would not diminish his testimony before others. In verses 25 through 30, he said it's a matter of conscience. The meat sold in the meat market, he kind of works his way through a, a few examples here. The first example is the meat that was sold in the meat market. He said, don't ask any questions about it, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. A matter of conscience, uh, to be of one's own witness, to bear an inner witness about something, kind of what gives you peace. And we've already learned that in the Jewish peace offerings, the priest retained a portion of the offering. The worshiper was also to share in a portion of the sacrifice, but the remainder was to be burnt on the altar. In other words, there were no leftovers. But this was not the case in pagan worship. They often would take the unused portion of the sacrifice and it would be sold in the meat market. It might have been the best priced meat at the meat market. So Paul counsels the Corinthian believers when you go to the meat market, just buy the meat. Don't ask any questions, meaning don't ask, was this meat offered to an idol? Is it kosher? Don't ask these questions, just buy the meat. And he goes on to say that everything belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord in all of its fullness. Just buy it with no questions asked. In Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So we discover that Paul ties this back to an Old Testament prophecy from David himself from Psalm 24, verse 1. So go to the meat market. Don't ask any questions. Just buy what's set before you. That's kind of hard to do sometimes in the day and age that we live in, isn't it? Because we're concerned about the product, the meat product, perhaps, that is put before us. But sometimes we just need to trust in the Lord and eat what is set before us. I learned a lesson when I was in South Sudan for um, a couple of weeks in South Sudan on a construction missionary trip. It was at the last day that we were in South Sudan, we, along with the Sudanese leaders that were there among us, we all shared things that we had learned while we were there. So those of us who were there on the short-term missionary trip and also the Sudanese, we were all sharing things that we had learned. And I had went up to South Sudan with one of the missionaries who had been stationed over there. We flew up together and then three others flew up the next day because we all couldn't get on the cargo plane together. I mean, we landed in the bush. There was no highways, no pavement. It was just a, a dirt road that we landed on there in the bush. And uh, we were told. So it was really nothing that we did that we felt, well, we're really spiritual in doing this. But we were told by those who had the base there that we were working at, that the water is safe to drink. They said, we test the water every day, so the well water is safe to drink. And so we drank the well water. We didn't ask any questions about it. But on the final day there, 
one of the leaders from the Sudanese said that spoke to him. Two things he said. He said when Sudanese travel, they often will take a day and rest before they get to work. You guys came and you went right to work. That's what we came for. We flew. It took 19 hours to fly from Chicago to South Sudan. So, of course, we went straight to work. That's why our purpose of being there. But the second thing, he said, you also drank the water that we drink. And it spoke to him. Now, me and the missionary who came up together, we looked at one another thinking we were told the water was safe. He went on to say that a lot of the Americans that came over, they demanded to have bottled water. They refused to drink the water there. And sometimes we need to just trust in the Lord and leave it to the Lord. That the earth is the Lord in all of its fullness. It doesn't mean that we don't have wisdom and how we conduct ourselves and watch the things that we do. But in a situation like that, you drink the water, you eat the food that's set before you. And that's what we did. And it ministered to the Sudanese because they saw that we, even though they were believers, we partook. We had koinonia. We ate the same food that they ate. And it spoke to them in more ways than we could possibly have understood. It goes on to say in verses 27 through 28, meat offers to idols. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you. Ask no questions for conscience sake. Once again, somebody invites you over, they're not a believer. Eat what is set before you. Don't ask any questions about it. But verse 28, if there is another believer there and he kind of comes over to you and whispers, you know, that was offered to an idol, don't you? Paul said, then don't eat the meat, but not for your conscience, but for the sake of the brother who told you. And he said, the earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness. Now you're thinking of the others. You're thinking of your weaker brother or sister that you don't want to offend them. And so you hold back from eating. In Psalm 50, verse 12, it tells us, If I were hungry, I, would I not tell you? For the world is mine in all of its fullness. Again, God said, it's all mine. So if you want to eat, then eat. And yet, if there is a weaker brother or sister in the faith, then, you know, if they come over and say, you know, that barbecued meat, it's been offered to an idol. Paul counseled them, then don't eat the meat. You could be thinking, man, I really wanted some of that barbecue. But you hold back because you do not want to offend a weaker brother or sister. Again, Paul in 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. We don't want to stumble the weak. So we're concerning the conscience of others. Verses 29 and 30. Conscience, I say, not of your own, but of that of the others. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? If I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of? It's a Greek word that refers to blasphemy. Why am I blasphemed for the food for which I gave thanks? And so we have a liberty of freedom to eat for this context of this, to eat meat that had been offered to idols, knowing that the idols were false. 
even though they worship false gods, demons with these idols, you're not partaking in the idol worship. So because you're not partaking in the idol worship, the meat is just meat. You can eat the meat, he says. But if someone judges you, then you need to, for the conscience of others, back off. And so whether Paul is uh, talking about a personal experience, he went through this a lot. He was judged a lot for the things that he did, how he spoke, the meat that he ate, whether he ate as a Gentile, whether he's eaten as a Jew, he was judged often. Or the questions, maybe he envisioned that he had done several times before, he envisioned the questions that his readers might had. He questioned about these freedoms. I have the freedom to do this, but why am I spoken evil of? Why do they blaspheme me, speak evil of me, for doing that which I have given thanks for? So it's true that people may judge the freedoms that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's also true that people may speak evil of the things that we have given thanks for, for the Lord. I was thinking about that this morning. And probably one of the biggest examples that I have of this in my life is when I played in a Christian band for 10 years from 17 to 27 years old. We were often judged for our freedoms that we had in Christ. From our music style to the dress, our hairstyle, I wore a mullet back then. Uh, sometimes our choice of words when we were speaking publicly. And this came from those within the church and sometimes from those without the church. Uh, we were judged by the church because we played rock music and, and they thought that it shouldn't be in the church. We were judged by the world because we sang about Jesus and they would make fun of us for our topic of our songs. It's funny to me because 30 years later, we look back and a lot of the things that we are on the forefront of doing have been well accepted within the church today. In many of the churches, there are electric guitars, guitars, bass, drums, and much more. A lot of that has been accepted today. But we gave thanks. We prayed before our concerts. We asked the Lord to use us. We asked the Lord to speak through us. And 30 years later, Every one of the members that was in that band at that time, we are still walking with the Lord. And that is really a good testimony of the work that God was doing in our lives at that time. So finally, he finishes up, give no offense, verses 31 through 33. Whatever we eat or drink, whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense, whether to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. So whether to believers or unbelievers, whether Jew or Gentile, give no offense. Just as I also please all men in all things, not to my own prophets, but to the profit of many, that they may be saved. Do all to the glory, the doxa, the fame, the reputation of God, to the profit of, to be a benefit to, the advantage of many. Paul answers these questions. Whether eating or drinking, whatever we do, we're to do to the glory of God. In other words, we are to honor God with all that we do and say. In Colossians 3.17, he says it this way, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Second, whether talking about those from within the church or outside of the church, we are to consider the impact that our freedoms in Christ might have on others. So not to the profit of ourselves, but to the profit of many or others. Again, Philippians 2.4, let each one of you look out not for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We are to live other-centered lives. And third, that others might be saved. We represent Christ and how we represent him might lead a person to either receive or reject our testimony of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 19 and 22 tells us, For although I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Those who glory, well, we are to glorify God while serving others, that we may help to bring faith to others, that they may be saved. We serve others, we glorify God, we serve others, that we may help to bring others to faith in Jesus Christ. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.